Welcome to Hope Assembly of God Online. We believe no matter the journey, there is always hope. This is a recording of our live Sunday sermon, unedited, uncut, real. We've been looking at since Easter. Um, Easter seems so long ago, it really wasn't in the big scheme of things, but we've been looking at what happens after Easter and waiting on God waiting on God and how difficult that often is, uh, but how important it is in our spiritual lives. Just to give some context to where we're at in Scripture uh, today, Easter's over. Jesus has risen from the dead. He teaches them about the kingdom of God for 40 days, and then he ascends back to heaven. During that time where they're waiting on him, a new disciple was chosen uh, to replace Judas, And I was thinking of it, I didn't get it into my sermon notes, I'll say it now, Judas sold out because he wasn't sold out. He sold out because he wasn't sold out. That'll be a sermon for another another time. And so what were the disciples doing now? So Jesus had ascended, what were they doing now? They were doing that thing that none of us like to do, and that's, that's waiting, waiting. And we talked about several weeks ago the importance of waiting and God is working. And I'm going to touch on some of those same themes uh, today. Now, my dad was in the Army. How, how, uh, I know, John, how many had served in the, in the military? I know Pastor Joe on the other side, Kenny, uh, John Stoffer, others. Did you ever, oh, John, my dad used to say this, the Army was a lot of hurry up and wait. A lot of hurry up and wait. Uh, Christianity involves a lot of slowing down and waiting. Slowing down and waiting. And we're going to talk about that. We've heard this phrase before, don't just sit there, do something. Christianity teaches something different. Don't just do something, sit there. That's what Jesus said to the disciples. Don't just go out and do whatever you want to do now that I've ascended to the right hand of the Father. Don't just do something to do it. Instead, don't just do something, just sit there. And wait. And that's where they were in verse two, or chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Now, about 500 people had seen the resurrected Jesus. In the upper room, there were 120. They were all in one place and in location, in one location. And while they were waiting, they were praising and praying. Acts 1.14 tells us what they were doing. They were all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. But the important part of this scripture is not that they were in one place in their bodies, with their bodies, not the position of their bodies, but I think what makes the difference in this scripture and in our lives and in the church life and family life and community life and any organization's life is not the position of our bodies, but the position of our hearts. See, and I like that, I like the King James translation here where it does give us a better idea of they were in one accord, that it wasn't just location, but it was like-mindedness. And that like-mindedness is really uh, what makes the difference in how God was able to work and God was able to move. Let me walk you through a couple scriptures here. One is in Matthew 18 where it talks about 
they're, if they're, if you've, uh, someone has sinned against you, you go to them, and then if not, you bring someone out, and so on and so forth. It's in that context that we read, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in, the, in their midst. In unity. See, God works in unity. I'm going to tell you the story of a couple of the ladies in the uh, church in Philippi and how unity was so very important. So here we have the disciples waiting in one place, but it wasn't the position of their bodies that made the difference. It was the position of their hearts that made the difference. Now, these people that were gathered in the upper room were different in so many different ways. There were fishermen. There were tax collectors. There were political zealots. Now, let me focus on those. The tax collector of the disciples was who? Matthew. So Matthew was a Jewish man working for the Romans to extort his own people and getting rich off of that. That was Matthew's life before Jesus, right? Simon, not Peter, but Simon was called Simon the Zealot. So zealous was he, that was like his nickname, that's Simon the Zealot. That was his nickname. Now, what did the zealot mean in those days? Does anybody know? He was a political warrior to the point that he was involved with a group or groups that wanted to militarily or by force overthrow the Roman Empire. So you've got these two, I'm sorry, I'm going to call them dudes instead of disciples, but you've got these two dudes sitting in the same room for 10 days, even more so, on the same team for three years following Jesus, one worked for the Romans, one wanted to overthrow the Romans. How did that work? Well, it's called unity. See, it's called unity. It's called the position of the heart. There were extroverts like Peter and introverts like Andrew. There were moms in the upper room, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and her sons. There were daughters, they were young, they were old. See, they were different, and yet they were gathered together in one accord. These and other instances doesn't mean that they agreed on everything because I don't think that Matthew and Simon the Zealot would ever agree politically. But what they did agree on is that Jesus was the Son of God that died on the cross for their sins and rose again on the third day, and he said, wait, and so they were going to wait. See, we can get caught up in what makes us different. The reality is we need to continue to focus on what makes us the same. See? And what makes us the same, and I'm going to emphasize this throughout, the person of Jesus Christ and the purpose of Jesus Christ. That's what makes us the same. Look around here. And you don't even see half of the church. The other, the other part of the church is on the other side, sitting at tables, hopefully paying attention, because I'll find out and I'll know. But they're watching there, maybe some in the cafe, I'm not sure. What brings us all together? What's well, Jesus? The person of Jesus and the purpose of Jesus. That's what unifies us. The disciples were very, very different. The people in the upper room were, were very, very different. And yet they were all together, not just in location, but in attitude. Not just the position of their body, but the position of their heart. We've talked about our 100-year anniversary. I honestly couldn't be more excited. Uh, been working with Sue, who has just done a huge work, which you'll be seeing some of her work throughout the year. 
and gathering and some of our original people. And I did find out, I texted Christine to find out how old you were, uh, uh, Marianne. So I'm not going to say it out loud. The number didn't actually fit all on my phone. She had to send it in multiple texts. <laughs> nice, right? How's that thin ice, Ray? Getting thinner and thinner, isn't it? I forgot what I was going to say now. Oh, it's the celebrating 100 years because I love the history. And I've learned the history through the years. And we're going to talk about that history because our history is so rich. If we don't celebrate our history, then we're missing all of the testimonies that God has done. That's what we're going to do. We're going to share all of this. And I tease, tease some of you, but I look to all of you as a testimony of God's sustaining grace. And we're going to celebrate that. That's what unites us. Now, we weren't all around at the same time, and some people are very new here. But now you're part of what God has done. And in a sense, it, even we're, we're sharing in the benefits of what God has done in the past. We're celebrating the past, but we're united as we look forward to the future. And that's what's so exciting. I'm coming up on my 22nd year here. I've lived here longer than anywhere I've ever lived in my life. And I'm just as excited, if not more excited, about our church, about the future of our church than I was when I first came. Because I think God has great things in store for us. And we are unified. Do we agree on everything? Nope. That's why we don't talk politics. Hard enough to keep everybody on the same page, much less throwing politics in it. We do talk sports teams because there is a right answer, and it's the Pittsburgh Steelers, but that's, that's a story for another time. I texted Dale. Dale and Monica Arthur moved to Florida. I don't know if you knew that. Doing well. Got new jobs down there doing well. I texted Dale, can you still be an Eagles fan in Florida? He said, oh, yes. Yes, we're everywhere, he said. And I wrote back, yeah, I know it. I know it. They're, ev they're everywhere. We're different. Different nationalities. We talked about different generations. We have different political beliefs. We have people in our church to the far right. We have people in our church to the far left. We have different personalities. Some are extroverted, some are introverted. Some worship one way, others worship another way. We're different in a lot of ways. And some of us, now I point the finger at myself, are just di different. <laughs> just different. But what brings us all together? The person of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. Almost like when we raise our hands, it's like I just kind of give up everything else and just lift my hands to him and make him the sole focus of my attention. Because I can tell you for sure, as soon as we start focusing on our differences, <laughs> it'll destroy the unity that we have. See, we won't be able to go forward. We won't be able to go forward. I know what I was going to say about being here 22 years. We've been able to go forward and set vision and accomplish so much in those years because I've never had to uh, look over my back. I've always been able to look forward because I knew the people had my back as the leader. And look what God has done. It's a miracle. It's the Malaga miracle that a church like ours 100 years old is still moving and growing and advancing and changing. It's a miracle. It is a miracle. And I'm just excited to be a part of it. 
So my sermon today is about unity, not because we're having problems, but to just encourage us to maintain that spirit of unity. Again, if we start focusing on our differences, then we'll lose what we need the most. But when we focus on Jesus and his purpose, then we'll be together in one place, in one accord. Okay, so Paul's writing to the Philippians. And the the book of Philippians is a joyful book. In fact, the key word in Philippians is joy. But there was a problem in the Philippian church that Paul needed to address. And it's in Philippians 4, 2, and 3. It says, Sarah... Sarah told me how to pronounce this name a long time ago, but I couldn't remember. So in this passage, we have, I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche to agree with each other in the Lord. See? So here are two, well, let me keep reading in verse 3. Yes, and I ask you, loyal yoke fellow, help these women who have contended at my side for the gospel. These two women here were not non-believers, They probably, I don't know what this means, I just mean it in a general sense, they probably weren't bad people because they had served the Lord and they had worked with Paul hand in hand. They were together, but for some reason, they had something they couldn't agree on. And it had to be more important than sports teams because it was causing a problem in the church and so much of a problem that Paul, writing from prison, had to say, hey, help them. We need to get this straightened out. Because God works through unity. Help them to do that. So Paul spends time in this very short letter addressing this problem. Again, we don't know what the problem was, but somewhere along the line, they weren't able to be in one accord. If I can stretch it a little bit, maybe they weren't even able to be in the same place. Something's gone terribly wrong when you can't even be in the same place with someone. See? I, won't, I don't know that this happens because I don't know. Well, I won't sit there because that person sits there and I don't want to sit by them in church. Oh, really? Aren't you important? You know? I don't know. These are type of things got to work on. You can disagree with them about everything except Jesus who he is and what he wants us to accomplish. See? And so that's what was happening with these two two ladies here. So Paul, Paul spends time emphasizing in the book of Philippians attitude. They were located in Philippi. They went to the same church, but they weren't on the same page. And Paul said it's not good enough to attend the same church You need to be on the same page because we need everybody moving in the same direction. And I think he was saying because he loved them so much, ladies, we need you. The church needs you. The gospel needs you. Work this out. And then he said to the rest of the church, help them. Help these ladies get this worked out because unity is so very important. So how do we stay unified while we're waiting? Okay. Philippians again. I'm staying in Philippians here. If you have any encouragement, from this is Philippians 2, verses 1 through 11. I don't have all the verses up there, 
okay? One of the great passages in Scripture. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, okay? That, that describes us. It describes believers what God has done in our lives. Have you received the grace of God? Yes. Are you united in Jesus Christ? Yes. We're, we're on that together. If that is true, then the next verse says this. In order to maintain that, then make my joy complete by being what? What's it say? Yeah, being in one accord. <laughs> you get it? See how that works? Being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and in what? See? It's not agreement over things that don't matter, that are temporal. We're never going to have complete agreement in any group. The point of agreement is on what really matters, and his name is Jesus. See? His name is Jesus. Being one in spirit and in purpose. Next verse. Do nothing out of what's the next word? Selfish ambition or vain conceit. That means putting yourself above everyone and everything else. But in humility, consider others better than yourself. Each of you should not, what does that mean better than, here he explains it. Each of you should look not to, wait, not only to your own interests, but also to the interest of others. Okay? Can I use a dumb example here? This is how I see it, because I see the bigger picture. You understand the game room is not about playing games, right? You understand that. That's just a side benefit. The real idea is that we want our young people to have a place that they can come that's safe where they're together building Christian relationships. And again, I keep using the young adults. The last event we had, 10, 12 uh, young adults together, event before that, 20 um, or so, on a Friday night in church, enjoying themselves, building relationships, having fellowship, hearing the word of God together. That's why we do these things. Now, we look out here today and you say, well, I don't want to play ping pong. Well, it's not about you playing ping pong. It's about putting their interests ahead of yours. Well, I've never played air hockey in my life and I'm not going to start now. No problem. Enjoy your miserable self. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> but see, I say that to say, but that's not what we did as a church. We all saw the purpose and we all gave and it was over and above anything that we could ask or imagine. You are living this. This is not to say you need to, I mean, we all have areas. But I'm saying as a church, we, we're living this. We put others' interests ahead of ours. You might never go down the steps and make a left and go to the game room. But you gave because you saw the importance of it. That's one accord. I'm not a game player, but I know if it's a blessing to others, I'm going to do it. And we could say this over and over and over again. I'm not in this group. I'm not in this group. I'm not in this group. But you know what? I support that because I want people to be made disciples. I want to glorify Jesus and, and, and fulfill his purpose. See? See how that works? See how God works through unity? Through unity? Not through selfish ambition. Okay, last one I have up here, and I'm going to start to wrap this up. I hate this verse. So Paul says, he doesn't say, look to my example. He doesn't say, look to so-and-so's example. Nope. 
Who's your example? Jesus. Oh, boy. <laughs> we all fall short there. He says your attitude should be the same as Jesus. All right? Now, let me read it to you. Uh, what, is, what he says here. Your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be held on to or something to be grasped. Meaning God, Jesus, as he, let's just imagine, he, he didn't hold on to glory, like just holding on before he got to earth and took on humanity. He willingly relinquished glory he let go of it to become a human for our benefit. Great. I, I can't wrap my mind around that. I got chills now. Did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or held onto, but he made himself nothing. He who spoke the world into existence, who is the word, made himself nothing. Taking on the very nature of a servant. Jesus said in Mark 10, 35, I did not come to be served, but to serve. If there was anyone that deserved to be served, it was Jesus. I'm, a little bit of preaching. If you come to church to be served, you're going to cause a problem. Because we don't come to church to be served. Not if we're following Jesus. He came to earth not to be served. And if anybody was worthy to be served, it was him. What did Peter say? Well, don't wash my feet. I should be washing yours. If you come to church to be served, sorry, you're going to hate it here. Okay, you're really going to hate it. And you should. You should. Because life is not about being served. It's about serving God and serving others. If your attitude is that going to be of Jesus. Am I making this up? Do you see it? You might not like it, but it is there. Who being in the very nature of servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death. And not just death, but death on the cross. But it doesn't end there. Verse 9 begins with, therefore, because all of that is true. God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. How could those disciples who couldn't get along a lot when Jesus was there, how could they all be together not just in the same location, but in the same attitude. What was going on? Here's what was happening. They put Jesus first and his purpose on the same level. The person of Jesus, the purpose of Jesus, and the resurrected one told them to go and wait. And so what were they going to do? They were going to wait. And what did they do? They were spending time praising and praying uh, quickly, what, what keeps people from waiting in unity? Fear is one thing, fear of the unknown. What's going to happen? Annoyance or impatience. I just can't wait anymore. And we barge out of wherever. 
and distraction. I like distraction. How many have seen the movie Up? It's a Pixar animated, awesome movie, very sad, very emotional. But the dog there got distracted really easy. Do you remember it? What would he say, Ray? Squirrel. Squirrel. Be walking down the road and doing it on the purpose. Squirrel. Distracted. And sometimes we miss what God is going to do because of fear, because of annoyance, because of distraction. Not to be cute, but I did those words on purpose because of this. Watch. The acronym is FAD. And sometimes people will chase after every religious fad that's out there. And the more fad you chase after, it's not going to be long till you fade away. Jesus and serving him. You see the difference? Serving him instead of being served is not a fad. It's a lifestyle, and no matter how long it takes. You know why I look up to our seasoned saints that have been in the church? Again, I tease, and I'm going to continue to tease until I have no breath. But in my heart, I love and respect you because you've served God and others for a long, long period of time, and that's not easy. I'm not going to ask them But if I were to ask our saints that have been in the church the longest, have you ever been offended? Well, of course. So many times they can't even remember. Have you ever been disappointed? All the time. Have you ever not felt like coming? Yep. Have you ever thought, ah, yep. But guess what? They didn't follow every fad and every wave of doctrine that comes around, and they're still here. Pillars in the church helping us celebrate the past as we look forward to what's next. All in one accord, unity. So here's Peter, the leader. I, oh, I got so much. Here's Peter, the leader. People are, let's just imagine this setting. They're asking, how long do we have to wait? I don't know. Do you know how many times I've had to say, I don't know this year? Pretty much every time. Uh, How long is the church building going to remain closed? I, I, I don't know. How long do we have to social distance? I don't know. Masks? Don't know. When are things going to open back up that we can meet as a large gathering again? I, I don't know. How long do we have to wait? Peter says, I don't know. What's going to happen when the time comes? Tell me what's going to happen now so that I can wait. Peter says, I, I, I don't know. Why did God choose you to be the leader? Uh, Peter says, I, I, I don't know. What's going to happen after all of this? I, I don't know. But they were waiting. They were waiting because they had faith, trust, and obedience. And then the, the, the first word of the next verse, Acts 2, 2. What's the first word? Anybody see it? Suddenly. What a contrast between waiting. Suddenly. When it was God's time. They didn't know. They didn't have a countdown on the wall. We know when we're celebrating our anniversary, but they didn't have a countdown on the wall. We just have to wait 10 more minutes. We just have to wait 10 more years. They didn't know. But when it was God's time, suddenly, God's presence filled that place, and they were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. The very thing they were waiting for happened in that place, in their lives, in their hearts, as they waited 
on the Lord. All of a sudden, when they weren't expecting it. Have you ever had God answer a prayer? I know that you have because I know some of your testimonies that you had something you were going through, didn't know how it was going to work out, and suddenly, unexpectedly, God provided the answer. The problem was real. The waiting was real. And then out of all of a sudden, the answer came as if it was out of thin air. A sound like the blowing of a violent wind, air. What was that wind? God breathing into that situation and bringing about something new, the church. When God formed Adam out of the dust, what did he do? He breathed life. When God was bringing something new, which was the church, undivided by race. It was no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male nor female. When he was starting the church, what did he do? After they waited in unity, he breathed on them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, because they were focusing on the person of Jesus, they were able to go out and fulfill the purpose of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh God, in this hundredth year, breathe on us afresh and anew. Thank you for what you've done in the past, O oh God, but breathe on us again. Breathe, fill us, refill us with the power of the Holy Spirit so we can bring glory to Jesus and fulfill his purpose by using our gifts through the power of the Holy Spirit. Because I don't know when Jesus is coming back, but he's closer now than he's ever been. And God's not done with our church. Thus far, he has helped us. That just means we can go forward in faith that as he's helped us in the past, he'll help us in what's next. Waiting in unity till suddenly God breathed and changed everything and changed the world. The person of Jesus, Son of God, the purpose of Jesus to use our gifts through the power of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you for listening to Hope Online Podcast. For more information about Hope Assembly of God, go to www.godgivesyouhope.com or download our app in the App Store.